1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: Hey
2: everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is our weekly roundtable today. It is Mary Kay, Doug, Scott and I. And we are looking at Pro Football Focus's lists of top players at the skill positions on offense. Quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. We dig into the list. We see where Browns players are ranked. We decide if they should be higher, lower, or if they're in just the right spot. So that's coming up on our Friday roundtable make sure you subscribe to football insider cleveland.com slash brown's blue banner at the top of the page you get an exclusive newsletter delivered to you every day you get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com and you can be one of our text subscribers all right here we go our friday roundtable
1: i'm not gonna get in a screaming match well i'll get this i would get in a screaming match with anybody about anything i get in a screaming match with somebody about oatmeal cream pies versus twinkie
2: here we go. On our Friday round table, we're digging into the PFF position rankings, and we're going to figure out if they got it right with the Browns. So let's just start with the big one, quarterback. Here are their top, let's go 12 here. Patrick Mahomes, number one. Tom Brady, number two. Aaron Rodgers, three. Russell Wilson, four. Deshaun Watson, five. Josh Allen, six. Dak Prescott, seven. Lamar Jackson, eight. Matt Ryan, nine. Baker Mayfield, Ten. Matthew Stafford, 11, and Ryan Tannehill, 12. I'm starting to think I should have gone back and looked at our quarterback draft before I hit record here. But I mean, is Baker Mayfield, ranked 10. So right behind Matt Ryan, right ahead of Matthew Stafford and Ryan Tannehill. Is
1: he in the right spot? Doug, where do you, what do you think? So I will say it is interesting that he is 10. Because is that not the official sort of classification, the shorthand that everybody uses? Are you a top 10 quarterback? Can he be a top 10 quarterback? And I think this is pretty respectful of Baker Mayfield. I do think there's clearly like this group of younger guys, right? That, that the Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson... Kind of range here that those guys are ahead of him. But then there's this older group, and that like Matt Ryan is ahead of him, but Matthew Stafford and Ryan Tannehill are not. Ben Roethlisberger is not. There's clearly sort of these different age groups among the quarterbacks right now. And that, you know, if we were talking about, man, you know, Ryan Tannehill's ahead of him and Matthew Stafford's ahead of him and they've been around, but what's their upside still on that? I would maybe have an issue with that. I think this is pretty good because I do think there's a pretty probably clear top four if Deshaun Watson's on the field it's probably a top five and then Josh Allen is six on this list and I think like depending on the year Baker Mayfield has I think Baker Mayfield a year from now could be ahead of Josh Allen on lists like this I understand why Josh Allen's ahead of him now I think this is pretty good and and the idea that he's 10 not 11 I think is very soothing for Browns fans that yeah he's a top 10 quarterback we like round numbers
0: I think this is about right, and I do think that when the season is over, that you know we might look at this with new eyes. And I do think that there is a chance that that Baker could kind of climb ahead of a Lamar Jackson potentially, and maybe even a, a Josh Allen on this list. I, I think it's going to be that kind of a year. His second year in the system under Kevin Stefanski, those two guys have had continuity in their schemes that we're talking about his 2018 classmates, you know, they've been in their systems. They didn't have to wait until midway through last year to sort of hit their stride and figure out what they were doing. Now this year, uh, he will be hitting the ground running. I I think he's going to have a much better year right from the start. He will, have Odell back. And I I think it lends itself for him possibly climbing up this list, but just with what we know right now and what we're basing it on and if we're basing it on, if you guys consider this to be more of a, a projection or what they've done so far, you know, I think this is, this is about right.
3: Yeah. I went back and I looked at last season's rankings, kind of get an idea of how Mayfield moved last year. They uh, PFF did it a little differently. Uh, They did it by tiers. And they had Baker in the third tier, which was pretty crowded. At tier two, I think was just a couple guys. But tier three um, had quite a few. And if you actually counted down list-wise, he was 20th overall. Uh, he was like two spots below Lamar Jackson and six ahead of Ben Roethlisberger. So, I mean, moving up to 10, that's, that's a nice jump. And I, I was kind of surprised to see him behind Matt Ryan. I think they're really putting a lot on Arthur Smith's shoulders to get Matt Ryan maybe to be a little more consistent, better, however you want to term it. But I think, you know, like, like Doug said, Brown's having a top 10 quarterback is that's a good place to be.
1: It is interesting to think of the idea that I think Baker is right at the edge of like growing out of being a young quarterback, right? That entering, you know, year four, like he's started a lot of games that you can see how he's like the guys were talking about in his peer group allen and lamar jackson in particular how will he wind up sort of being ranked with them in the next couple of years but then there are these younger guys behind him that are coming right and that justin herbert is 15th on this list joe burrow is 18th trevor lawrence as a rookie is 21st justin fields as a rookie is 25th tuatongavailoa is 29th right that It's going to be a really interesting time for Baker because as this older group sort of ages out and maybe Baker, like Baker's ahead of Ben right now, right? Baker's ahead of Ben Roethlisberger. Well, peak Ben Roethlisberger is still better than what Baker has been so far, but Ben's no longer at his peak, but these other younger guys are coming. So like a year from now, Scott, right? When we look at this, it's possible that like Baker was really good but maybe he moves down a list like this if Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert move ahead of him. You know what I mean? That like it's not that he didn't play well, but, you know, guys are coming too. And all of a sudden he's going to be, you know, compared to Trevor Lawrence, he's kind of an old guy. Right. So like it's, it's going to be very interesting. It's a great crop of quarterbacks that the league has right now. And we're going to for the next 10 years, we're going to talk about Baker's position in that crop. But I think this is pretty good.
0: You know what what they're trying to do here is project where they where they will basically land in 2021 so it really is more of a a projection than grading, you know what they've done so far. So I I, I still think that in the final analysis that it could turn out to be about uh, what we're looking at here. I, I think 10 is I think 10 is very, very fair.
2: I guess we're going to get some answers this season because Doug, this sort of goes with what you were saying. I mean, there is Baker could either take a leap this year and all of a sudden he's ahead of Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Right. And now he's starting to get on the fringe of that. And by the way, Dak Prescott is too low on this list. I I would put him ahead of Josh Allen. That's the injury.
1: I agree with you, Dan. Right. I mean, I think if Dak was healthy last year, he's probably higher.
2: Yeah. I I think
1: Dak belongs in that
2: top tier of quarterbacks, but I, I I think if Baker has a season like he had in the second half of last year, he's, he puts himself in that discussion. Or if he spins his wheels a little bit, you know, maybe Matthew Stafford passes him, maybe Ryan Tannehill passes him, you know, Justin Herbert probably passes him. You know, I, I think he's in a group of names that based on what we've seen so far, if you don't want to go wild projecting, I I think he's in about the right spot with, you know, Stafford and Tannehill and Derek Carr. I, I think these are all sort of similar quarterbacks right now. And, and Baker this year could either kind of stay in that group
1: or he could ascend beyond that group. I do think they don't have tiers right now. But if I had to draw the line at the tiers to me, tier one is Mahomes, Brady, Rogers, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson and that you would have five guys in the top tier. And Dan, if to again, if you want to put Dak Prescott in that top tier, I would agree with that. I would not put Josh Allen in that top tier right now. So that Josh Allen is six on this list. I would have five guys in tier one. Then Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, down through 12. That would be tier two for me. And I would start tier three with Derek Carr at 13. And I think I, maybe I, I would be curious to see if people, where people are with their own tiers, that kind of thing. And I think, I don't know, I don't know exactly what it looks like the world where Baker ascends to the Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson tier. I, I, I don't exactly know what that looks like but that he is solidly in tier two right now. And to me, he could get to the top of tier two feels to me sort of like the kind of quarterback that I think he is. And I think you can win a Super Bowl with a really solid, consistent tier two quarterback. But I just, I don't, I don't know that he's ever going to be Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, I guess if he does the Drew Brees version of it, he's super accurate and whatever, like that would get there. But I just, I don't know that, the raw physical gifts are there to get into tier one.
2: See, and I, I would probably put him in that gray area between two and three. I'd put him right on the fringe there uh, j- just because we've never seen it for a season. We've seen it for half seasons. Right. And I just, that's the one thing I need to see to really say this guy is solidly like tier two. He's a guy that, that can win and win big. I, I think I would still put him but again, where, where was Derek Carr in your tier? He was in tier three,
1: right? He was like the first guy in tier three. He's 13th yeah. on their list. I'd, I'd put
2: Baker right now, kind of somewhere in that range between two tier two and tier three, sort of pending like, Hey, you come out in year four and put together, you know, a full season of what we saw to end last year. Now you're solidly in tier two and you, and you've got a chance to move up to one.
0: And I, I think, you know, he's got such a tremendous supporting cast. He's got every single thing that he needs to land here at number ten, it's vitally important to to have things that he now has now, including a good defense. You want a defense that's going to get the ball back for you. You want to be starting on a short field. Uh, you want takeaways. Some of the guys on this list, like Deshaun Watson, you know, he he'll get up there potentially without having that kind of a supporting cast. But Baker has it. He has what he needs. To get to that point, and and therefore, I think he has there's every reason to believe that he can be in top ten.
3: I mean, really, other than Mahomes and Brady, I mean, there's potential change for a lot of these guys. Whether it's you know all the talk about them you know joining a new team or just changes on their roster or coordinators, and yeah, the fact that the, the Baker is finally having continuity from one season to the next—that's that's how you make a jump, I think.
1: And Ellis is not with us on this round table, but I just would like to point out that Carson Wentz is 23rd. (laughs) It just made me feel good to say that. So so can I throw this at Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, behind Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, behind the guy who's never played a snap in the NFL.
2: Some people out there might hear me say Derek Carr and be like, what? You're comparing Baker to Derek Carr? Their first three years are very, very similar in the league Uh, you know Derek Carr 11,194 yards in his first three years Baker 11,115 you know Baker threw actually Carr had more touchdowns I mean their touchdown interception ratio is is similar Baker threw more interceptions so first three years of their career you're talking very similar arcs and I like I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback he's not an elite quarterback I think he's a good quarterback and I think Baker can grow from here I think his ceiling is higher than Derek Carr's, but you know that that's kind of where he that that's why I sort of keep going back to that that kind of level right now, just based on what we've seen.
1: Derek Carr was like a borderline MVP candidate the year he got yeah, hurt he, at the end of that regular season. Yep, he was.
0: Well, so was yeah. Carson Wentz. Carson <laughs> True. at one point. So things things change from year to year, and I think Derek Carr is another another one of those quarterbacks where. The whole entire picture matters, and I, I just don't know that they have the whole supporting cast around him that some of these other quarterbacks do. It,
1: it is interesting, and not to make this an MVP conversation, but you can see like the betting lines that are out on the odds for MVP and that kind of thing. And like you know, a lot of people agree that the Browns are a little bit a legitimate Super Bowl contender, that they're going to win you know 11, 12, 13 games, that they have everything going for them, but Baker is not like the same kind of MVP candidate as as like almost every other quarterback for a team at that level, right? That, that, you know, he's just not the same kind of MVP candidate as Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. And as someone who thinks the Browns are good and thinks Baker's good, like I agree with that, right? That I just, it's just the Browns aren't a lot of other teams of the best teams are sort of like as their quarterback goes, they go. And that's to what Mary Kay said multiple times. now. that's not exactly where the Browns are. And that's not an indictment of Baker. It's like a, it's like a nod to the talent that is around it.
0: Right. I mean, you look at a team like the, you know, the Eagles actually, well that one year, I mean, they, they got there in part because Carson once, Wentz won a lot of games but that was more a team-wide thing they won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles so there are instances where you can go to the Super Bowl and win it even if you don't have a Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes now that's the easiest quickest path of least resistance to winning a Super Bowl but that's not always how it has to be done and Baker fits in perfectly with this scheme and he's got the supporting cast around him to get the job done and I do agree that uh, nationally people still remember a lot about the Baker Mayfield that they saw in 2019 and they're still skittish about that and then the Baker that uh, picked up from where he left off and started out 2020 that same way a lot of people haven't come around yet to the Baker that woke up and lit it up in the last half of, of the second uh, of 2020 I was on a uh, a national radio show, and they were almost laughing at me when I said that Baker can bet on himself this year and make even more money next year, potentially in the $40 million range. And, and the person actually kind of laughed at me about that. And I said, you know, if, I mean, if he takes the team to the AFC championship game and ends up as a top 10 quarterback and maybe makes a Pro Bowl, absolutely 100%, he can get himself in that $40 million range.
3: I was going to say, we, we should point out who wrote or who did these rankings for PFF, former Browns quarterback, Bruce Gradkowski, a member of the infamous Jersey of starting quarterbacks since 1999, that Bruce gradkowski he actually put a picture of himself with Ben Roethlisberger in those rankings. You know, you want to see how far the Browns quarterback situation has come. The guy who was uh, mired in the, uh, the futility of the position has now done a ranking putting a Browns quarterback in the top 10.
2: Okay, let's move on to our next position. I'm really interested in this one. This is running back. The Browns had two guys in the top 10 on this list. It started off Derek Henry, number one, Dalvin Cook, two, Christian McCaffrey, three, Nick Chubb, four, Alvin Kamara, five, Aaron Jones, six, Saquon Barkley, seven, Chris Carson, eight, Josh Jacobs, nine, Kareem Hunt, 10, and then Austin Eckler, 11. Let's just start with Chubb here, though. I I think that's, I kind of feel like that's the more interesting thing here. So Nick Chubb is fourth behind Henry Cook
1: and McCaffrey. Is everybody okay with that list? I'm not offended by it, right? I mean, I, I, I think Nick Chubb is a top five running back. If you have him fourth, I don't know what I think from day to day. I can't remember what I said an hour ago, much less a month ago. So I think maybe we had Nick Chubb and I might have drafted him second. I, I don't remember when we did our running back draft. I think you could make a case. I think he has a case for number one. I really do. But probably almost anybody who's going to make like th- make a list like this is going to put Derrick Henry on top because of the workload. right? And he's just a different kind of guy at that size. And then McCaffrey is so versatile. He's like two players in one. I get that. But I do think the thing that they wrote here is Chubb, there may be no better pure ball carrier, right? I think he might be the number one ball carrier, but that's more than, you know, there's more that goes into playing running back than that. So, yeah, I think, I think this is, this is fair. I don't, I don't have a problem with having him fourth, but I think anywhere in the top five is good.
0: I would agree with that. I mean, I I think everybody would put, most people would put Derrick Henry first. And then after that, you can make a case. You can start thinking about putting Chubb at number two, number three. I I think number four is very, very fair. Some people might put Alvin Kamara ahead of him because of all the things that we've talked about all offseason about the things that he can do and how he's such an all-around weapon. So, you know, some people might put him ahead, but just in terms of sheer running the football, hitting home runs, breaking tackles, I think four is a very fair spot for him.
3: Yeah, when they when they uh, wrote that the reason he was fourth had to do with his lack of impact in the passing game, but and yet they still had him above Kamara, that, that was kind of surprised. But he definitely top five. And by the way, he was second on PFFs last season behind McCaffrey. You know, I think the big seasons from Henry and Dalvin Cook kind of Having some consistency from last year to the year before, maybe jumped him up, but but Chubb, yeah, clearly. That, I mean, best pure ball carrier. That that sounds about right to me.
1: I do think there's two clear groups here that Henry and Cook both had more than 300 carries last year. Nobody else; they were the only two guys. Henry and Cook are viewed, I think, as like the workhorse, carry the entire run game for a team type of backs. And then McCaffrey and Kamara are these versatile half running back, half receiver kind of backs. And Chubb is neither of those because it's not that he could be a 300 carry guy, but the Browns have Kareem Hunt. They don't need him to be. And he clearly is not the kind of pass catching threat that Kamara and McCaffrey are. So I think in that mix, I think sometimes, you know, if he's behind the workhorses, if he's behind the versatile guys, That has to be the top five. But I understand that he kind of isn't quite like either of those two groups. And so I'm not going to get in a screaming match. Well, I would get in a screaming match with anybody about anything. I get in a screaming match with somebody about oatmeal cream pies versus Twinkies. So I'll get in a screaming match about Nick Chubb. But like I think those five guys, because I think number six on this list, is it Aaron Jones? Is he six? I mean, like if somebody's going to come in and say Aaron Jones is better than Nick Chubb, then I'm, then, I'm, then let's go. Then I'm going to throw it out. <laughs> but I think clearly those are the top five guys and they got the top five, right. And he's fourth.
0: I was going to say, it's almost like we've forgotten about Saquon Barkley because Saquon, you know, is coming off of a torn ACL and he is an excellent, excellent back in his own right. It'll be interesting to see if Saquon, you know, climbs back up into that conversation of being a top five back. I think it's pretty fair that he is here at number seven where they have him, but I I think he has the uh, potential to move up that list a little bit.
2: Well, and, and Saquon too fits that all around back, but he's also more of a traditional runner at the same time. So, I mean, we're talking about a guy that had 2,028 scrimmage yards his rookie year. You know, he had 721 receiving yards and 1,300 on the ground, and then he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. So, you know, he's got to be down this list just for at some point production matters and being on the field matters. And I almost think, I almost wonder if that's why Christian McCaffrey isn't number one on this list. Because I could make the case that maybe he should be based on the year he had before last year. Did he set, did he break Chris Johnson's? scrimmage yards record I can't remember if he broke it or if he just came really close off the top of my head but the, the year he had in 2019 was one of the best years we've ever seen an all-around running back have I feel like we need to talk about all these guys separately in, in a lot like McCaffrey and Kamara and you know maybe Saquon maybe not quite as much because he's still more of a runner in my mind at least I, I almost feel even Kareem Hunt we almost have to talk about these guys differently because they're, they're more weapons, whereas like Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook to a degree are runners. And I almost feel like we might reach a breaking point here. Ezekiel Elliott's a runner right now. He, he, can, do, he can catch the football. He's good out of the backfield. He's good blocking. Maybe, maybe I'm being unfair to him just calling him a runner. But I, I almost wonder if we need to almost start separating these two as teams kind of look to find these versatile weapons, it's nothing new. I mean, you can go all the way back to Marshall Falk and and even before that, but I don't know. I don't know if it's fair to talk about Christian McCaffrey and Nick Chubb in the same sentence because Chubb's a better runner, but McCaffrey's a better all-around player.
0: Yeah, you you make a good case there. I mean, you could separate the dual threat running backs uh, into their own category, and it is hard to compare apples to apples there when you're talking about a runner versus a guy that catches the ball, an absolute ton out of the backfield. And it would be Nick would be right up there uh, with, with the best of the runners in the NFL one or two, if you were just doing it like that. And there are, are, of course, great years because some guys are contribute way, way more in the passing game. So it would, it would still be hard to divide it out like that, but a case can be made that it should be.
1: No, I think that makes a lot of sense. It is weird sort of in football. Sometimes where do we, divide sort of position groups and where we don't divide position groups. And like, we haven't done that with running backs, but I think you absolutely could make a case for it. And I do think you have to factor And this is, I don't want to steal Scott's thunder on this, but you know, of all these running backs, if you were making a list of running backs, you want to give the ball to on fourth and one, I don't think Nick Chubb's in the top five, which has to be a factor of like, I mean, Derrick Henry, I think probably is. I don't know what the stats are, Scott, but like, that is a one little part of, they don't throw it to Nick Chubb nearly as much as the sort of the dual threat guys, but also that so far has not been his specialty. And that is certainly at least a portion of what a running back is supposed to do.
3: You stole my thunder. I have nothing else to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no. Yeah. That's, that's totally true. And I, even, even with that, I mean, he's really good on third and short. It's just for whatever reason, the Browns as a team are just really bad in fourth down as far as the idea of separating running backs, like, I think maybe we like tight ends are similar in that way, and that like Travis Kelsey, we value him more than Farrell Brown, who's really good at blocking, but maybe not so great at catching. And obviously everybody was gonna hold those two up to each other. Travis Kelsey's the better tight end. It's just a weird position that's kind of going more and more towards the, the versatile the versatile aspect of the position and the Browns are just in a lucky situation where yeah, Nick Chubb is versatile. It's just, he turns himself into Kareem hunt, you know, on third down and he doesn't have to do anything. So it's weird. It's it's like, maybe she, they should be viewed as a, as a duo. Maybe there should be like a slash in there, the way they did with quarterbacks on this list. I think they had Jameis Winston and Tyson Hill together ranked together as one with the saints. So maybe that's how you do it with the Browns.
0: That's a good idea. Where would you, where would you guys put what would you what would we call him chunt where where would you guys
3: <laughs> chubba the hunt
0: chubba, chubba the hunt, the hunt. Where, where would we put chubba the hunt
1: let's put him pretty high i mean i think chubba Maybe. the hunt might be one yeah i, I mean, think the so one so. running
3: back that outweighs both of them together i don't I mean who is that
1: i mean are we talking about like are they taking turns on the field or like they wearing the trench coat and Nick Chubb is the bottom and Kareem hunt is the top. And you're handing the ball to like the 12 foot guy in the backfield. who's like running forward.
2: <laughs> I mean, you're, you're taking an elite runner and a really good runner and then adding in Kareem hunts ability in the passing game to basically be a, a wide receiver. Like, I, I don't know. You, you're talking, okay. Is Christian McCaffrey better than that is, Saquon at his best better than that, I, I don't know. That would be a tough argument.
3: I was going to say, are either of those guys as good in the fourth quarter as well-rested Nick Chubb nope. and Kareem?
0: Seems like yeah. Derrick Henry is. It, it seems like he kind of picks up steam in the fourth quarter. But those guys platooning a little bit, uh, Nick and Kareem, that that's a pretty formidable duo. So I think that you could make a very strong case for them to be number one.
2: I was thinking about this, too, with, with this. Like, if Derrick Henry's in New Orleans, is, is he Derrick Henry? Is he, is he who we see now? Like, it, it's some of it is fit, too, right? Like, you don't want to put Alvin Kamara in Tennessee's system and have him run the ball however many times, Henry, 300 times a year. And you don't want Derrick Henry playing the Alvin Kamara role in New Orleans because it would be a disaster. So, the, you know, some of this is, is scheme fit as well. All right, let's keep moving here and go to wide receiver. Browns landed a couple of guys on this list, but they are down a little ways and their highest ranked receiver as I'm scrolling down here to find it is Odell Beckham jr. He comes in 18th and then Jarvis Landry comes in 21st. So some of the guys ahead of Odell Beckham, actually Terry McLaurin is one spot ahead of him, which I think is interesting. Keenan Allen is two spots ahead. DK Metcalf is ahead of him. And then really there aren't a ton of surprises. Chris Godwin Uh, is is ahead of him but everyone else on this list probably about where you would expect them to be or at least you would expect them to be ahead of Odell based on what we've seen in recent years where's Odell after this season so he's 18th now how high can he get if he comes back and he's anywhere close to what he was when the Browns traded for him and thought they were getting that Giants version of Odell
3: oh he could be in the top five easily because last season he was eighth and that was all projection. That was based on everybody assuming that this offense was going to turn him into what he was with the Giants. So if he was that high without ever having played in this offense and after his first season of, you know, of issues, then an actual OBJ season that we're kind of expecting all this time, that he's that's top five easily, I would think.
0: You know, the only thing – about this whole thing is that there just aren't enough footballs to go around necessarily. I think uh, for him to be the superstar that he could be somewhere on a team where he could be so much more featured than he will be here. And now the pie I think will be divided up even more. You've got, uh, you know, some other guys, you've got Donovan people, people's Jones that I think might get the ball a little bit more. I think, you know, with David Njoku sticking around at $6 million a year, Maybe he'll get more than 29 targets this year. You've got uh, Richard Higgins from the start. They're kind of going to know a little bit more about what he is and what, what he can do with Baker. Maybe he'll get a few more targets. So I just don't 100% know if he will get the targets that he needs to climb up that high.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good point. It's like, could the Browns have two top 10 running backs, top 10 quarterback and a top 10 receiver? Like I don't, I, does that, does that feed on each other and it makes it all more possible? Like what Mary Kay was saying at the start of like Baker's surrounded by so many good players, it helps him. Or at some point, is it hard to have that many guys viewed that way? Because it's like, well, they have Chubb and hunt and now also Odell's going to be like top five. I don't know about that. I mean, the the one thing is, is again, talking about sort of like the age tiers of some of these guys, like we did with running backs, there are still kind of like a lot of guys like in Odell's peer group, generally who are who are high up here right we haven't had a total revolution i'm not trying to make odell feel old but you know deandre hopkins is number two and and julio jones is number five and adam thielen's number nine like this is mike evans is
2: 12 they were in the same class weren't they
1: you know so like it's still it's still open for odell to be that kind of player it's not like everybody ahead of him is justin jefferson who is ahead of him but it's not all rookie receivers right so The hard thing about Odell is that true, true peak, peak, peak 16 game, healthy, consistent Odell. We're getting, I mean, is how many years removed from that now Four, right? It's just, it doesn't mean it can't do it, but it just every year, it's not it. It is another year removed from being it. So it's hard to factor that in. I do think it is very hard to rank Odell on a list like this because peak Odell is top five, but how much can you rely on the peak when you haven't seen it all that much recently?
3: Well, remember this is a list by PFF too. And yeah, Odell's not going to get the kind of production as far as yards and, and touchdowns, things like that catches that he had in New York, but they're concerned with their grading. They're concerned with your catch rate and stuff like that and yards per route run and, all those kinds of things uh, are ways that they're going to measure, measure people. So if you ask most NFL fans is, you know, can OBJ be a top five wide receiver? They're probably going to say no, but on a list like this, it could happen.
0: It could. And, and the other thing I, I think to think about with, with Odell, he looks amazing when we're seeing these workout videos, he is running lightning fast. He's rehabbed like crazy. And I think he will be pretty ready by the start of the season. But In the past several years, he has had ankle surgery, core muscle surgery, and now torn ACL surgery. And he's turning 29 this year. And it just seems like, as he has even mentioned, ever since uh, he had the, the injury in the preseason game here, the ankle injury, he really hasn't been the same physically. And who knows if he can come back and be that guy again. Uh, that can be healthy, stay healthy, and return to peak form. Uh, but that's a lot to overcome when you're turning 29. His body has, has uh, already had trouble with residual injuries ever since that one ankle injury. So I think that's something to take into account.
1: It can be hard. I think we are, anybody is smart to be, I don't even know if skeptical is the right word, but you can't really assume anything with Odell, right? For all the reasons Mary Kay just said. If he plays this year, but so I think that the, being smartly skeptical, not assuming things, can lead you, I think, to underrate somebody in the process potentially. If he plays like a top five receiver in the NFL this year, that whoever's doing the list, it's just like, well, Odell, what, he's one of the best five receivers in the NFL. Look what he's doing this year. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Like, the offensive line, the running backs, Baker's improvement, year two Stefanski, the revamped defense. If you're telling me you are throwing a top five receiver in the NFL, deep threat danger, reliable on third down, have to account for him on every snap, which opens everything else up. I do think sometimes when I think about the Browns, as good as I think they're going to be, because he not, has not been that in Cleveland. If he's that like, if he's basically Tyreek Hill for the Browns, are, are you kidding me with everything else they have? And it's at least possible that it happens. And, and it kind of, when you think about everything else, it really, really kind of blows your mind a little bit of what this team could be.
2: And I'm, I'm curious to see where some of these other young receivers end up next year. Like, I think... You know, I, I, I can't argue with the top five, I guess, but I would have A.J. Brown in the top five. I would maybe put him as much as I love Allen Robinson. I, I would maybe put him in the top five. I, I'd swap those two out. I, I think A.J. Brown is special. Uh, you know, so there's some young guys. Justin Jefferson now in year two, see how he kind of ascends. And there's some guys that could fall off a little bit too. DK Metcalf is 15th. Maybe he ascends from there as well. Terry McLaurin is 17th, like I said, ahead of Odell. I think there's some young guys that I'm curious to see where they end up next year. They guys that could really, I mean, I think next year, if AJ Brown continues to play like he's played, he will be in the top five on this list. So there's young guys too, that Odell would have to kind of, kind of boot out of there, but he's still got that talent. So Jarvis Landry at 21, which if I remember right in our wide receiver draft, did we pick Landry? Yeah. And if we did, it was towards the end. I don't know if he made it into our top 20. So this
1: is probably about right. I think that's right. I think maybe he didn't get picked, but I do think as much as it's hard to rank Odell, I think it's kind of easy to rank Jarvis. And I think I'd rank him almost like right where he is. Like he's some, he's really not a top 20 receiver, but he's definitely a top 30. So like anything in there, like he needs to be on this list, I think. I mean, his upside is not what Odell's upside is. His upside is not what Kenny Galladay or some of these other guys ahead of him. So I, I think almost everybody in the NFL would agree that Jarvis Landry is between like the 21st and 30th best receiver in the NFL, whatever best means.
3: Yeah, last season, they only ranked 25. He was not on the list. And like you said, Beckham was eighth.
0: Yeah, I, I think that this is about right for him. A case can be made that, that he could end up even maybe potentially a little bit higher than this, but I'm looking at the list and not really seeing anybody that I would knock down below him necessarily. So yeah, I, I think this is about right.
2: Is this going to be the last time the Browns have two receivers in the top 21 on this list for how long? Yeah. Forever. (laughs) Well, yeah, I know. I know we could make this infinite. Let's say the next seven
1: years. Well, when they draft a receiver in the first round in the 2022 draft, and we give him a year <laughs> to get his feet wet, and then like by 2023, I mean it's interesting. Like they're they're gonna have to reinvest in the position, right? To what you're saying, Dan. Is this the last time that Odell and Jarvis as Browns are together on a list of the top 30 receivers in the NFL? Yes, I think that yeah. is true. But and I don't know that the next guy's on the on the roster right now. Yeah. But they're gonna have to go find somebody. So, but to the other point, Dan, what you're saying is like, well, I think they could be one of the best teams in football without having somebody on this list. If you have Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward leading the defense, Baker Mayfield doing his thing, Kevin Stefanski calling the plays, this offensive line basically intact, and the running backs doing their running back thing, I, I don't think they have to have two receivers in the top 30 to be a great team.
3: Whoever's next on this list is probably not on the roster. It's not, you know. Anthony Schwartz and and Peoples-Jones, I wouldn't think.
0: Yeah, agreed. And of course, it'll be interesting to see which of those two guys are even on the team after this year. I mean, there's a chance they could both be back on the team, but probably not at the money they would cost. They would both combine once again for over $31 million next year. And they're in a situation where they don't have hardly any dead cap space next year. So if they're going to come back, it will be not at those salaries, I wouldn't think. So, yeah, this is a big year for them. And we remember last year when Baker Mayfield said they know the time is now. And that's true. The time is right now. This is when they have to get it done.
1: I don't know if Ohio State's Chris Olave is going to last to pick 32 in the first round next year. So, I mean, if he does, then the Browns might have a guy in this list in a couple of years.
2: Let's touch on the tight ends real quickly. That's the other group that they have rated. And this one is a little bit of a. I don't know if it's a gut punch for Browns fans. Maybe it is, but the Browns don't show up on this list until number 17. It is Austin Hooper, who for a brief time was the highest paid tight end in the NFL, thanks to the Cleveland Browns. Some names around Hooper. Jared Cook is 16. Robert Tanyan is 15. Logan Thomas is 14. Zach Ertz is 13. And guys right behind him. Tyler Higby is 18. Evan Ingram is 19. Kyle Rudolph is 20. Gerald Everett of the Seahawks is 21. Two questions here. Is Hooper in the right spot? and is Hooper the right guy to have on this list?
3: I, I looked through this the other day. I kind of I did a, a quick post on, on some of these rankings for the website. And when I, I scrolling down, scrolling down, I'm looking for Hooper and I find him and I kept scrolling down thinking, that Njoku would probably be on this list somewhere. And I never got to him. And I was kind of surprised by that. Hooper was actually 11th last year after he had signed with the Browns. So they were really anticipating, I guess, bigger things from him in Stefanski's offense and you know, and what they got. I think it's the right spot for Hooper. And I wouldn't be opposed to having him be the, the highest ranked Browns tight end. But I was surprised that that Njoku didn't sneak on this list.
0: I think this is about right for Hooper. He, you know, he didn't have all that many targets last year. He did not assimilate into the offense all that well right away. It took him and Baker a little while to get their mojo down. I think they'll be better this year. Once again, I think he will probably be a victim of a lot of really good pass catchers on this team. And it will be hard for him to get uh, the kind of targets, obviously, that he got in Atlanta that helped him be a two-time pro bowler. He did drop some passes. I think that was also a function of uh, needing just to kind of learn Baker Mayfield a little bit. So I think they'll be better together this year. I think the ranking is about right. I always think that david and Joe, who can be better and be more than what he is. But last year was such a weird year for him. He did want out. Uh, he wasn't all into it. He finally kind of got himself together probably midway through the season and started to play better and you know, try to put his feelings aside. I think he'll be better this year. He seems to be more into it. He's going to tight end university this summer with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. So I actually do think that that will help a lot. And I think he's a much better player than he has been able to show so far. We'll see how that works out.
2: So I'll speak for Ellis real quickly, who likes to say that in Minnesota, Kevin Stefanski loved his tight ends and he loves his tight ends in this offense, but it's not like a tight end factory. You kind of look at those numbers in Minnesota. It's not like the tight ends put up huge numbers.
1: No, I just, I think these, all these rankings are, are interesting because they've rebamped the defense. They have a top 10 quarterback. They have two top 10 running backs, but we think their highest ranked receiver who's 18th, we think has top five ability, right. And is being paid that way. And they're, best tight end who's ranked 17th we think i mean is being paid as a top five tight end we think has top 10 ability and we're kind of wondering why they don't have two tight ends on a list that goes down to 32 when that really should just cover one tight end for each team which goes back to the idea of as good as they were last year right And as good as the offense was in the second half of the year, they did it without Odell. They did it without Hooper producing as expected, that there still is a ceiling to this offense. It is not like they are maxed out. And that, of course, I mean, like as Mary Kay said, listen, there's one ball. But as Scott has said during this, if it's a PFF kind of ranking, it's not just production. It's sort of like efficiency, right? It's what you do with your opportunities and as I said, well, what if Odell plays like a top five receiver? What if Austin Hooper plays like a top 10 tight end, which is what he was brought here to do, man. Like it's just another level. And what if Njoku does, I mean, he's going to tight end university. What's he, what if he graduates and he plays like a top 10 tight end? It is fascinating to think about. I just love lists like this. Not that they're always perfect, but context in the rest of the league is so important with the Browns are good, but how good, man, They're good, but they really do still have guys who can be even better. And I will be fascinated to see if Austin Hooper looks much more like a top 10 tight end in 2021 than he did in 2020.
3: The Bucs have three tight ends on this list. The Colts have two. I'm just surprised that he didn't sneak on here. There were stretches where he was the best tight end on this team last season.
2: Yeah, New New England got two as well. Right. Yeah. They got Hunter Henry and John and uh, Johnny Smith in there.
1: Uh, well, they just paid for him. They just paid $70 million to add those two guys. Right. That's their genius off season.
2: Yeah, exactly. Pay <laughs> hey, a bunch of tight ends. They're following the Browns blueprint. Okay. some tight ends in the off season.
0: As we've mentioned, there are so many guys on this offense that are all capable, like really capable of 1000 yard seasons. Right. I mean, you've got Kareem, you've got Nick, Austin I still think David Njoku but I think he's capable Jarvis Odell that's six guys that are capable of 1,000 yard seasons and you know obviously that's not going to happen for all of them so it's going to be interesting to see how, how this works out because that's really what they have on this team
2: all right, we are gonna wrap up. But there was one thing that I didn't bring up with the running backs. I'm gonna throw a doozy at you guys, and we don't have to spend a ton of time on this because this is for another podcast. But top five running backs, four of them have signed extensions. So just just real quick, are you signing Nick Chubb this off season?
0: I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes because I think they can do it in such a way uh, that the club is happy and that the player is happy. I, I think they can find. I think they can find a way to do it. I, I think they'll. I know they'll try. I know they'll try to do it. And then it will just be a matter of, is it what Nick is looking for? Or will he kind of try to bet on himself a little bit? And we've talked about this before. They have the option of, of, franchising him after this year and keeping him for two years, but that's not good business. That's not good business to do that. You know, that would really kind of be shorting him a bunch of money. And I don't think that's how they want to treat Nick Chubb.
2: And, and one thing about that franchise tag, because I wrote about this is th- there might be a few other guys. You know, Najoku, Wyatt Teller, Ronnie Harrison. uh, There was another name that I had come up with. There's guys that are heading to free agency that the Browns might want to tag as well. So so that tag could get a little, it could get a little crowded as far as tag candidates. Uh, So so that's something else to monitor.
1: I I am fascinated how the money's going to work out for Chubb because it goes back to how he's categorized. What we talked about before. It's like, well, he doesn't, he's not a workhorse, not used that way, at least last year the way Henry and cook were right. So he's not, I'm not saying he's not as good as those guys, but he has 150 fewer carries and he's not the dual threat guy like Kamara and McCaffrey, Right. So like the total yards from scrimmage and the total touches is going to be down. So then if that leads you to, well, he's as good as them, but like raw production, you know, we're going to try to pay him not quite at that level. I don't know. Like, would he accept that? Like, well, you're not going to get quite right. McCaffrey, Henry money. We love you as much. We think you're as valuable, but just like production numbers, you're not quite there. Does that mean he'll get paid a little less or does he want that kind of money? And I just, I, I'm curious about that. And if that is somehow any kind of sticking point, I would pay him. I think they want to pay him, but I really, I wonder how much the devil's in the details on this because he is a little bit of his own category as a running back.
3: I think the money will be interesting too because of, of what he said. And I think, you want to, you want to extend him because not because he's that special running back who's worth all the money, but because of the situation. And it's just so unique and that you have two running backs who are so good and it works so well. And it's probably extending the careers of both of them. And I'm sure that's probably something that gets brought up during the negotiations. So I would extend him because it's just like we've said throughout this, the window is now, and it's just a really unique situation. They need to take advantage of it.
1: And just very quickly, very quick math. Derrick Henry last year, 378 carries, 2027 rushing yards. Hunt and Chubb combined, 388 carries, so only 10 mo- so 10 more than Henry combined, 1908 yards. So, 100 plus yards fewer than Derrick Henry.
0: So it wasn't Nick Chubb and he wasn't who he is and if he wasn't sort of so important to the city, the team The franchise in so many ways. It might be easier for them to just sort of say, you know what, let's franchise him after this year, see how it goes, see if he holds up over these two seasons, and then go from there. But there are extenuating circumstances because it is Nick Chubb. And I think you do have to sometimes do business with things other than numbers, analytics. Uh, You have to bring more to the table. And therefore, because he means so much in other ways, I think that they might kind of go outside of the analytic way of dealing with running backs and, you know, and maybe make a little bit of an exception for Nick. Because if, if, if that weren't the case, I think you could probably try to find a way to get the running game accomplished cheaper after these two years than by paying Nick Chubb, you know, $15 million a year.
2: And one other thing that I kind of discovered looking at these other contracts, every single one of these running backs, the money, the cap savings that these teams can start to realize to varying degrees starts in their age 28 season. So if that's sort of what the Browns are looking at, Nick Chubb turns 26 in December. So if you got something done and you want to kind of wanted to target maybe that age 28 season to start going year by year on the thing. Uh, that, that's how some of these other contracts have been structured as well okay but that's another podcast we got a whole extension podcast in it in us i'm sure at some point this off season uh that'll do it for our round table make sure you check out football insider slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as well and leaving us five star reviews on apple Podcasts. for mary Kay, doug scott i'm dan thanks for listening everybody